0: It's the Sunday closest to Valentine's Day, and we are talking about love. And I love you. Or as my friend Buddy says, I love you. I love you. So we're talking about loving relationships today. We're talking all month about love. Last week we talked about love for self, which is kind of a prerequisite for unconditional love of others. Because It doesn't mean we can't love anybody if we don't totally love ourselves, but it means our love will always have conditions if we haven't first learned to love ourselves. Because if we hold ourselves to this standard, I will be lovable if and when, we tend to kind of just bleed that on other people as well. It's like, well, they're not even trying as hard as I am. Mm. So the self-love we've talked about, and I hope, I, I gave you an assignment last week that you were to look in the mirror and say, tell yourself, thank you, and I love you. Did you do that? Yeah, how'd it feel? Good. Yeah? Good, good for you. So today I want to talk about loving relationships, I want to talk about friendships, I want to talk about partnerships, um, a little bit about parents and children, um, and, uh, Yeah, spousal relationships. So a friend, the definition of a friend is a state of enduring affection, esteem, intimacy, and trust between two people. Affection, esteem, intimacy, and trust. So part of being a true friend is sharing a certain amount of intimacy. Many of us are terrified of that And sometimes I've heard intimacy translated as into me see. (laughs) Are we willing to let others see into us? And are we willing to be present and see into them even when it brings up stuff within us? And then the master course is not to make it about us, (laughs) but to still be present with them. And friendship to me is the most amazing relationship we can have on this planet. And I, and I say that as someone who has been married for almost 30 years, that's pretty good. But I have friends that I've known a lot longer than Bob and that helped me through the times when I wanted to strangle Bob to death. And the ones before Bob. <laughs> There's something about having a relationship with another person that doesn't need or want anything from you except you and your presence, right? That's friendship, that's friendship. For a spouse or partnership, one of the things that's required is a certain amount of equity. Not necessarily equality, but equity. You know, we don't have to both spend as much time doing dishes and mowing lawns. As a matter of fact, I would prefer that Bob leave the dishes alone, because they won't be clean after he washes them. And I would just assume not mow the lawn. But if I'm mowing the lawn and doing the dishes, that's not equitable. And if I'm having to mow the lawn and do the dishes and he's having to mow the lawn and and do the dishes, that's equality, but it may not suit us. It may not suit our gifts and talents. So that's the thing about a partnership is in partnership, yes, we take an active interest in each other. We are engaged first and foremost in teamwork. And too often in partnerships, there comes a spirit of competition Like, oh, I'm keeping score, and you are way lower on the scorecard than I am. So I get to resent you as much as I want. (laughs) We don't say that out loud. We probably don't even think it consciously, but we act it out. We live it out. Something we rarely do with our friends, but we often do with our partners. And so just bringing that kind of stuff into our awareness is very, very helpful What is, you know, am I keeping a scorecard? And some of us do it with our friends. Like, well, I've called her the last four times and she hasn't called me, so I'm just not gonna call her anymore. Apparently she didn't wanna hear from me, you know? No scorecards, teamwork, an active interest in the other and a sharing in the success of the other. Yeah, knowing that for your partner or your friend, their success is your success because you love them that much. And your success is their success because they love you that much. And when that is not true, then there is, there is dysfunction in the relationship. You can still love each other, but it's a, it's, a, it's a flag that says, ooh, we need to sit down and look at this a little bit. It's a commitment and investment and it involves mutual agency. We both get to be the people that we are and we've chosen to try to do that together, which is hard, (laughs) in the same place at the same time. And so what I want to share with you um, is, and I've shared it before, but I just love this. This is Thich Nhat Hanh, beautiful, beautiful Vietnamese Buddhist monk. who, uh, well, his teachings are just legion. Look him up on YouTube or read one of his books. But he has this four-step process to being for the healing of relationships, for the healing of relationships. And it's simply this, one, darling, I am here for you. And I love that he uses the word darling. Two, darling, I know that you are here. Three, darling, I know that you suffer. And four, darling, I suffer. I'm going to translate that for you a little bit. Darling, I am here for you means I am giving you the gift of my presence. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not looking at my watch, going, okay, hurry up. You said you wanted to talk. <laughs> I am here, I am present for this moment. I'm not playing on my phone, I'm not watching TV, I'm here in this room with you where we are now. And it's amazing how much we don't do that, even with the people who are the most important to us. And I'm talking to me too, not just you, we do this. But this idea of darling, I am here for you, I am truly here, and darling, I know that you are here means I see you. I know that you are the face of God. I see that presence of love shining in you, and I know that whatever else is going on is just stuff, but that the essence of you is that love. Darling, I am here for you, and I know that you are here. Darling, I know that you suffer. Guess what we all do? And if someone's doing something to you that you don't like, that you don't feel is fair, that makes the relationship not equitable or easy, you can count on the fact that whatever that behavior is, it comes from some sort of suffering, from fear, from lack of self-esteem. Fear is often what it is. From um, past abuse and being triggered, So when we say to someone, I know that you suffer, I don't even have to know all the ways. You don't have to give me the details. But I know. I know that there is a wounded place inside you just as there is inside of me, which brings us to step four. Darling, I suffer. My woundedness sees your woundedness, and it's okay because love is bigger than woundedness. Isn't that beautiful? If you want me to, I'll have Jordan send that out in an email this week, just so you have it. Tick not han. In in parents and children, we are taking on roles to a certain extent. When we are the parent, it's that's not the time when our children are young to have a completely balanced and equitable relationship. <laughs> And especially when our children are teens, it's not the time. It's their role at that time is to learn how to fit into the world. And we don't want them to bend themselves sideways to fit into the world. We want to support them in being who they are and also understanding that who I am and how big I wanna be and what I wanna do has to end where the other person's space begins. We all have to make space for one another. And too many of us, when we were children, didn't have any space made for us. Or we weren't taught that anybody else needed space. We were just allowed to barrel through life. Either way can be crippling. And so some of us, you know, none of us had a perfect childhood, I'm pretty sure. I know I didn't. But this, it is so possible to understand that I am not a child in my parents' home anymore. And so it is safe for me to go back to that child that still lives within me and give it this kind of love. Darling, I am here for you. Darling, I know that you are here. And I know that you suffer. And I suffer too. And we're grown up. And we have choices now. And we can choose love over fear. We can understand that we actually are safe even when we don't feel safe because we know this larger truth that we are one with the one love that is. And therefore, nothing can truly harm us. Spirit is eternal. It's not possible to damage a spirit. It's only our emotions and our bodies that can be damaged, and they can be healed. And then there's this thing that's one of the Ten Commandments where we say, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. What do we owe? What do we want to give to them? Anybody have a little trouble with that honor your father and mother thing? I have seen it misused often in the church, that your mother and father said so, therefore you must, which is not the same as honoring them. To honor someone means to have respect for who they are. And we all know that whether we can see it or not, everyone is the face of God. We can honor that in our parents. And we can honor that our parents have made choices and that choices have consequences. And as we're we're adults, we get to decide whether we wish to live with the consequences of someone else's choices or whether we're gonna allow them to live with the consequences of their choices. And we're gonna make choices ourselves that we are willing to live the consequences of. I know I ended that sentence with a preposition. You get that? So it is truly honoring a parent to say, yes, that is you. And this is me and I absolutely honor your right to be you till the day you die, no matter how miserable it makes you. (laughs) Sometimes it is that and I won't withdraw my love from you, but my love does not um, mean that I have to live your choices or the consequences of your choices. When we're little, we have to live the consequences of other people's choices, but when we're grown, we no longer do. We can make different choices, and that is honoring. That is honoring. And it doesn't matter what anybody else outside you thinks. Well, you should, you owe this. Now, I have a theory that we don't owe our parents. We owe our children we made a concerted effort or (laughs) didn't take precautions that prevented us from bringing them into the world. And we do owe them the growth and the love and the guidance and whatever, as long as they are children. And um, I don't know what we owe them beyond that. I just know that by the time we get beyond that, we're pretty attached to them. And it gets harder and harder to know what is ours to do and what is not ours to do and when we just like with our parents need to allow them to experience the consequences of their decisions rather than us trying to take on the consequences of their choices and decisions and I'm gonna get to that in a minute that's called boundaries very few people really know what they are but when they are children yes we owe them all our love and attention but when they are grown we have to understand that every adult gets to make choices. And there's this mythology, there's that mythology of honor your parent, honor your father and mother means just do what they tell you to do regardless. That's not honoring somebody. If somebody says, hey, pick up this gun and shoot that guy. Oh, well, I don't really wanna be a murderer, but I I honor the man who told me to do that. Right? I know that's an extreme case, but it's not really any different. You don't have to do what someone else tells you to do. You now have your own working conscience and are able to make your own choices. And then the other mythology is that there is um, this two becomes one when we get married, when we partner up with someone. The two become one. I believe that one plus one make two. (laughs) Held within this meta position of we're all one. We're all one. But I love how Gabron, Khalil Gabron, talks about that this is not a place where you become one and look only inward at each other. Now you're just this unit and the rest of the world swirls around, but that you choose to stand side by side and look out on the world together. With each of your vantage points, widening the vantage point of the unit, of the couple. Each of you may only be able to see this much, but when you stand beside someone else who also sees this much, think about how broad your view may be, unless you say, I don't like your view. You need to come over here and be on my view, because we are one. We said that in front of the preacher. (laughs) Yeah, you mean, Other people get to completely disagree with us and look at the world in a completely different way and we still get to love them and even be in partnership with them, even work to have a balanced relationship. Yes, yes, love does not mean agreement. Love does not mean you agree with me. I mean, I think when you're seven and 13, a friend, a friend is only your friend if they like all the things you like and they dislike all the things and all the people that you like, but dislike. But at some point, if you like them, I don't have to. You go spend the afternoon with them and I'm gonna go do this other thing. And if you really believe that's true, I may have my opinion about you and your ability to think. And yet, I honor that you're allowed to use your own brain to think what you want to think. Now, we don't tell people, you are not allowed to use your brain because I've already decided what you should be thinking, but we kind of do. <laughs> we don't say it out loud. We may not say it consciously, but through our words, other words and our actions, sometimes we are saying that. If you don't want to do what I want to do, then just Mm-mm-mm. So it's this idea of, this is called maturity, by the way, guys. This idea of widening into understanding that people get to be exactly who they are. And not only do they not owe us anything, we don't owe them anything except our love and our respect. And this is where boundaries come in. Ew, most people do not understand what a boundary is. I hear people all the time say, well, I laid down my boundaries. I came in and said, you can't do this anymore and you better stop right now. That is not a boundary. That is a bossy. <laughs> a boss, a boundary is, I am uncomfortable when you do this. And if you continue doing it in my presence, I will remove my presence. Easy. Then they get to do what they want to do. And you get to honor yourself and your choices. And it doesn't have to be a big fight. And I'll tell you, and I've shared this before, but To me, it's still the miracle of my life. If I had to just point out miraculous moments, the most miraculous moment of my life was when, as an adult, my alcoholic father started in on one of his, I'm gonna use my words to drill you into the floor and it'll take you three days to climb out. And I said, Daddy, I'm not gonna talk to you about that. And he continued. Doesn't matter what the drilling was about. Trust me, he had a big, heavy drill. And I said, said, I wasn't going to talk about that. And I went to the kitchen to talk to my mom. And he followed me into the kitchen because <laughs> his point was not yet made. It had not been drilled home, obviously. And I said, I love you. I will see you next week. And I walked out of the house and I got in my car and I drove away. I didn't tell him what he could say to me. I just said, I will not be present for this. And then... I think it was either the next time or the next time. It didn't take that long when he started with the drilling and I said, Daddy, not going to go there with you. And he said, okay, how about them cowboys, basically. (laughs) He changed the subject. He changed the subject. And I got to realize, oh, this is how a boundary works. It has nothing to do with withdrawing love. It has nothing to do with telling another person what they can or can't do. It has only to do what, with what I have decided for myself is okay for me, what I will stand in the presence of and what I will not stand in the presence of. And I don't even have to argue. I don't even have to get mad. I think it would have been different, a different outcome if I had said, oh yeah, screw you, and gotten in my car and drove, driven off. But thats not, I just said, I love you. And this is not okay, but I'll see you again, I'm sure. It's amazing, it's amazing. And I got a gift that day, which I would never have thought could possibly happen, which was that my father, at that time, on that day, preferred my company, me staying there, to his proving he was right. Up to that time in my life, and this was probably in my mid to late 30s, up to that time in my life, I would have told anyone who asked, oh, no, he would rather be right. He would rather be right and live the rest of his life without me. And I was wrong. I was wrong about that. What a gift. What an amazing gift. So boundaries, you got to have them. Even with the people closest to you, yes, especially with the people closest to you especially with the people closest to you. Yeah, flexibility, Lord (laughs) knows we need that for every relationship, for friendships, for spousal or partnership relationships, for (laughs) relationships with neighbors, for relationships with the cashier in the grocery store. We need flexibility. We need to not decide this is the way I am and everyone else needs to adjust to it. And it's amazing the number of people who kind of do that. No, I've already decided what's right. Cashiers should always do it this way. And when they don't, I'm gonna make a big deal about it. Or you could go, this one's rather slower than the ones I'm used to, and take a deep breath and allow her to be who she is because she's not important in your life. In a minute, you're gonna be home, right? Teamwork. It is one of the most important things I have found in a relationship, especially in a long-term relationship, to be able to say, to remind myself occasionally, oh yeah, we're on the same team. (laughs) You ever have that realization when you're having an argument with someone, either someone at work or your spouse or partner or your sister or your mom? to go, wait a minute, wait, woo, woo. let's take a step back here. Aren't we on the same team? Don't we all want the happiness of each other or the success of this project or to have a good day? Don't we all want that? And when we remember we're on the same team, then we can affect quite an attitude change. I saw a program on PBS years ago about people who had been married for more than 50 years who self-reported being very happily married. And the number one, the number one thing that they came up with, that, that the researchers, the sociological researchers came up with that was common to all of these people was the presumption of goodwill in the other person. So he's driving me crazy, but I know he means well. I know he means well. I know he's still on my team. He's just not playing the game in the way that I would want him to play the game. <clears throat> Rather than, he's not playing this game. He, he hates me, he doesn't respect me. He left that on the floor because he knows I'll come along and pick up after him. <laughs> he doesn't even, I mean, he doesn't give one thought to me or whatever. How many times a day do we do that with people? We decide what what their motivation is. Well, first of all we can't do that because we don't know what anyone else's motivation is even if we think we do and it's dangerous territory to get into that and if we assume goodwill even if the goodwill is not necessarily there as soon as we start behaving from our assumption of goodwill it changes the energy of the room it changes the energy of the argument it changes the energy of the relationship that's just the way it works when one person changes their point of view, then everything in the relationship changes. So you can never change anybody else, but you can always change yourself and then see what happens. What happens may be what you want. It may not. You may have to keep drawing boundaries. At some point, the boundary may be, I can no longer be in this relationship. It doesn't feel safe or good or fair to me. And then I can bless it with love rather than tear it down with angst or burn it down as I go out the door, (laughs) right? Teamwork, honesty, encouragement, encouraging the growth of another. That's love, that's relationship and prayer. And you may not think you pray a lot for your partner or your friend, but if you think of prayer as an act of communication with whatever is sacred or holy, with a desire for good of your beloved, whoever that is. You don't have to get on, down on your knees and cross yourself and say certain words to be praying, but to carry with you this knowledge of divine love and with that, your desire for good, for that person, and I find it often helps me to just say, God, I pray for your highest and best, and I don't know what that is. I know what I want. I know what I'm fearful I won't get sometimes, but I'm praying for your highest and best. It relieves you of so much angst and gives, brings so much goodwill into the relationship. Kindness always. Kindness always. And, you know, limits but not conditions. You can set a boundary without giving a condition for your love. I did not withdraw my love from my dad that day that I left. Actually, I protected my love for my dad by not exposing myself to the worst of him or encouraging him to be his worst self because my engaging in the argument with him did encourage him to be his worst self. The Dalai Lama is very clear on that. He said, you don't just not put up with ugly behavior from other people for you because you deserve better, which you certainly do, but they deserve not to play out their worst self right in front of you. And they may not be in control over whether they can, they're gonna play out that worst self, but if you withdraw yourself from the situation, If you protect yourself by setting a boundary, then you have also protected them for that moment from being their worst self to you that day. Ooh, isn't that nice? Sometimes when Bob walks away from me and I start to really get mad, I realize he's actually helping me not be (laughs) as bad as I could be in the next few minutes if I keep going the way I am. Yeah, yeah. It's just a way of thinking differently. We need limits and not conditions. We need expectancy without expectation. We expect the good, we expect love, we expect togetherness, but we don't expect you to do exactly according to my plan. That's an expectation. Consistency, loving all the time, not sometimes, not withdrawing our love even if we withdraw our presence for a while we don't withdraw our love mystery which is this idea that i think i know this person but i barely even know myself why do i think i know everything there is to know about this other person i don't and then forgiveness (laughs) every single relationship requires forgiveness. I would not be friends with the people I've been friends with all the years I have if they hadn't been willing to forgive me for being not my best self, and I hadn't been willing to forgive them for being not their best selves. Now, usually in friendships, I don't even think about it. I'm like, oh, she's having a bad day. It's harder to do that with someone you live with. (laughs) But forgiveness is always required, and we have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves because otherwise, just as I talked about last week, if we don't forgive ourselves, that there's that thing that's between us and the mirror, and we can't see ourselves clearly. And if we hold that unforgiveness against another person, we can't see them clearly. We're seeing through this grudge that we're holding, or we're seeing through the grudge that we're holding against ourselves and, and, not, and still not seeing clearly the other person. So Forgiveness. Now we are going to um, do our annual uh, ceremony of recommitment, but uh, first I would like to sing a song for you that I wrote a few years ago with my friend J.D. Martin um, about being with someone for a long time, whether it's a friendship or not, and how easy it is to take people for granted and how important it is to see them with new eyes.
1: but how long has it been since i really saw you since i've truly been right here with you for the first time again let me look in your such amazing history but sometimes i forget how much i really love
0: you now to join me for this ceremony of commitment and as we take this time to recommit to the love in our lives all of the love in our lives we become willing to extend ourselves beyond any complacency to be conscious and intentional with our love like not yeah of course I love you but you know what I'm looking at you again and I love you Yeah. We open our hearts to larger possibilities and we live more freely. We love more fully. We express greater joy and we experience true peace. And so I'm going to ask you to stand if you're comfortable doing that. If not, you can sit. No rules. And first we recommit to spirit. You'll breathe deeper with me. Beloved spirit, you are love, my source and my substance. I am born of you and you are all of me. We live and move and have our being in oneness and perfection beyond any thought of separation. But sometimes I forget this truth and I try to move through this world as if I were incomplete or broken as if I were all alone. And this causes me pain. So today, I dedicate myself to remembering who I truly am. I am one with God, and in that oneness, I am loving, powerful, worthy, and never alone. I give my full consent to the movement of spirit in me, through me, as me. And if you would like, repeat with me, I choose spirit, I recommit myself to love. Together, I choose spirit, I recommit myself to love. And now we're gonna recommit ourselves to another person, perhaps a family member, a spouse, a friend, anyone with whom we wish to deepen and renew our connection, especially if it's felt like that connection has gone a little faulty. So, beloved one, fill in the name of whoever it is that you're thinking of. If it's someone in this room, you're certainly welcome to turn to them. I chose you. I saw your true beauty and discovered my own beauty in your presence. To you, I give and receive love and support and intimacy. But sometimes I forget who you are and who I want to be in your presence. I fail to appreciate the priceless value of our connection. And so today, I rededicate myself to this relationship, to fully loving you and accepting love from you. I am here to remember and to remind you of who you are, whole, complete, beautiful. Repeat with me. Beloved, I choose you. I recommit myself to loving you together Beloved, I choose you. I recommit myself to loving you And now the hardest love of all We recommit to self the relationship many of us are most likely to neglect Beloved self You are the form I took on at birth, and the eternal spirit before, after, and beyond form. Sometimes I forget how precious is my spirit and my body. I forget my own worthiness and neglect to extend myself for my own growth and good. Today, I choose to remember. I recognize that I am a treasure, whole, beloved, and deserving of all good. I'm consistently kind to myself, and I allow the wholeness of spirit to shine in me, through me, and as me. And if you will repeat with me, I choose myself, I recommit to loving me. Together, I choose myself, I recommit. To loving me. We are grateful that this is done in spirit and in truth. Thank
1: you, God. Amen.